Hey, Tony. So um, I'm really excited to talk about Scroll Back Saturday. Yeah, it's something that we've talked about it for a while about revisiting some of our favorite podcasts and guests. Yeah, and um, it's it's just a great opportunity to uh, again to revisit those guests as well as on some of our favorite topics that we've done. Yeah, so a lot of times people just get caught up with the current episodes. This way, they get a chance to listen to uh, some of our favorites, <laughs> some 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 pre me and you, right? Yes, <laughs> they'll, they'll see how horrible we are and how exactly. <laughs> Don't judge us on Saturdays. How we're not as bad, but still bad. <laughs> so, so silly. All right, man. So so listen, it's Scroll Back Saturday, and uh, I, we hope you enjoy this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think like we've uh, hit another rung in our uh, in our ladder of podcasting. Oh. Yeah, I can't wait for July and uh, first week of August. It's going to be uh, epic. It's going to be some epic times, right? Yeah, we finish it with, uh, uh, you know, the start of August and the end of July. Legends and icons. We, you know, we have another one today, and I am excited to get into her story. I can't wait either. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool, right? Yeah, I'm I mean, she she definitely has change the industry you know she makes strange she she leads trends and she uh she's pretty awesome she's pretty awesome and i mean as far as leading trends absolutely mm-hmm. right i mean everyone... we'll get into that too <laughs> you know? so you're telling me to shut up no <laughs> you're telling me to shut up and just bring yeah. her on aren't you let's do it, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> hello miss chris sorby thank you very very much for joining us on your day off hi hey happy to be here thank you for the invite absolutely thanks for coming on yeah Truly appreciate you accepting the invitation, and uh, you're you you were definitely one of the ones on our wish list, and you know, and we're slowly conquering them. And with each one, I mean, we're just you know in awe of you know the people that you know that we're interviewing that has changed the industry. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I hope I was at the top of your list. Number one, number yeah. one, Chris. <laughs> Did <laughs> so you play a little hard to get? <laughs> Uh, absolutely that's a woman's prerogative that's right <laughs> that's all so uh miss chris sorby uh can you uh where where are you from i was born in london and raised in london in england um because i believe there's another london in canada i wanted to be a hairdresser from the age of seven so i really didn't think it was worth me going to regular school anymore <laughs> but my mother wouldn't have any of it so, um, so, you know, I had to wait and finish and yeah, it was, it was something that immediately hit me. My mum was having a perm in the salon and the, so, so that I would get out of the hairdresser's way, Mr. Squire gave me this massive, great, it was massive because I was little at the time, um, book to have a look at. And I was looking at pictures of these hairdos where 
hairdressers were on ladders and they were putting ships into the hair and I was like, oh, this is better than playing with my dolls. <laughs> so really, that, that was the start of it. And um, incredibly so, after 50 years of being in the industry, I still love it as much as I did on that first day. I mean, now I hopefully have a little more experience. <laughs> hopefully. So did, you, did your dollies end up with like ships in their hair? They ended up with no hair. <laughs> <laughs> like every good dolly should. Right. <laughs> That's what you knew you were except ready for. That, except dolly. my one. Except my dolly. That's right. <laughs> so I'm still playing with dolls. <laughs> Nothing's changed, right? After 50 years, you still uh, grabbing the doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is awesome. So in England, how does it work? Like, are there like schools or, or an apprenticeship? Or, or what was your journey kind of like into our world? Um, well, you don't actually have to have any formal training at all, but if you want to apply to work in a salon as an apprentice, then it's, it's usually around a three-year apprenticeship, or that's what it was then. And I chose, um, no, I didn't, let me rephrase that. I didn't choose to go to college to do it, but my mum made me do that. She said, you're either going to do this properly or not at all. So I went to uh, what's called a polytechnic, which is, it's like one down from a university, and it was an intense two-year course, which involved barbering. It involved every skill set, like wig making, like massage, and everything. So I was very, very blessed, actually, um, to have that intense education that was on a, you know, for a full-time two years. And at the same time, I was working in a salon every minute I could and absorbing everything that was possible. So it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And I had, um, I had maybe one teacher that um, really believed in me, but I certainly wished that I'd had a, a mentor at that stage that could guide me in, okay, what do I do after college? What, what would be the best thing to do? Is it to go and assist somebody and not get paid at all? Or is it to go and and do, they, they call it um, uh, improving, or they did then. Um, and that you could usually do improving for in a salon for like two years. And so I went to this particular salon, which was in Carnaby Street, because I wanted to be where it was all happening. <laughs> and as you do at 18 years of age. And... Um, and anyway, within two weeks, they had me doing clients, but I was on an apprentice salary. So um, I went on strike <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was England. A, a girl stands up for herself, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And, um, and then they didn't, they like were, well, you're fired. <laughs> and I said, when do I have to leave? And they said, Saturday. And I was like, okay. So I, in the meantime, I couldn't like sit back and not get plan B into place. So I applied to a salon which stipulated that they were only guys that work there. And in those days that I know it's funny, Corey, you raising your eyebrows like that. But <laughs> you know, it was England and it was a long time ago and there there was discrimination existed. Thankfully, I don't think so anymore. But um so I thought, hmm. 
well, I'm going to be the first girl you're going to be taking on. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have to say, if someone says no to me, that just makes me go into first gear. And um, anyway, needless to say, I got the job. <laughs> and, uh, and I also was offered back the job in the salon in Carnaby Street, and I chose to go to the all-boys salon. And uh, it was incredible. I worked with some amazing people. Um, I became the manager there when I was 22, which was very, very young. Hold on, hold on. What was, um, what was it like managing how many guys? 15 guys? Seven. seven. What, what was seven. it like managing seven guys in a salon, especially in those? Hell. <laughs> it was hell. They, you know, they. Um, Do you have any brothers? No. So you went in with no experience about how to deal with a dude. Exactly. <laughs> and boyfriends weren't kind of anything to go by. No, no, no. no. So, you managed you manage <laughs> them completely different, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I heard. So I, heard. <laughs> I um, no, it wasn't easy because talk about proving, you know, yourself and earning the right um it took a lot and it was actually a pretty miserable first two years mm-hmm. and uh anyway i finally won them over and won their respect and grew the business then um and yeah i was there for 14 years until actually i met my first husband trevor sorby and then we kind of joined forces. That, that, mm. what a, yeah, that, that was a dynamic duo right there. But prior to meeting Trevor and getting married, and you know, you said the, it was miserable the first two years. Did you have any uh, it, during that time any second guessing of of choosing the what you were doing? Absolutely, I was second guessing myself every day, especially the day when I dissolved somebody's hair with highlights. Mm. Oh. That, that wasn't fun. Um, but yes, I, I, was sec- I still second guess myself. I don't think it's, um, it's something that will ever leave me because I always want to push myself further. I always want to do better. I always want to do more. Um, it's the bigger the challenge, the better it is. And the industry has now changed so much. So, of course, I'm still second guessing myself. Uh. When I came to New York to work for Redkin, oh boy, was I second guessing myself. <laughs> the reason why I asked that question is because you have so many young hairdressers that I think leave the industry too early. You know what I mean? They, I think they once they start second guessing themselves, uh, there's a lot of hairdressers that drop out in, in, in the statistics shows in our industry. Only if they stick in, you know, like here you, you said you dissolve somebody's hair, right? I mean, we all make mistakes and we all learn and grow from it. You know what I mean? If they can just hold on like a Chris Sorby, one day they could be a Chris Sorby. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, if I could do it, anyone could do it. I, um, I, I feel that the generations that have been behind me are quite a different mentality. And maybe they're being told too much too soon about how fabulous they are Mm -hmm. so they're getting this um kind of warped perspective on what expectations would be of them in the in the workplace and my heart goes out to them and i rack my brains of what's the best way for me to communicate with these people so that i can encourage them so that i can motivate them 
inspire them to hang on in there because there'll be highs and lows throughout your career. But what a career. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't have dreamt a better career for myself. I was just going to say, you know, I've traveled the world. I've met thousands and thousands of people and, and had the opportunity to be in countries I didn't know existed. And what a better life than that. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's kind of, I mean, the, I guess the one common denominator that, that keeps coming up on our podcast is exactly that. And just how, you know, so many times on the podcast, people have talked about, and you haven't said this, so I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be, is that just how this industry has saved so many people. You know, so many people enter this industry and like, yeah, this industry saved me. You know, I kind of, I kind of think in, of our generation, at least, you know, it seems like we're a bunch of misfits and we finally found our table, our, our, our family, right? right. So, uh, so again, I just, I, it's amazing to me just how much this industry gives to like everybody that, that wants to put in the work. You know, we all started two feet behind our client's head. Every single person we've talked to, with the exception of a couple, have started in the exact same spot. And, and everybody's, you know, star is different you know, or everybody's path to the stars is different. And, and it's amazing. And, and no matter who you are, if you're, today's your first day on the floor, that entire, you have Chris Sorby, or you have whomever that we've talked to, you have that as a guiding light. You know, that's amazing. And you know, who doesn't want to be Chris Sorby, or who doesn't want to be, you know, whomever we've talked to. It's just amazing. It's an amazing and amazing career. I totally agree with you in, in that hairdressing saves people's lives. And now with the suicide rate going up the way that it is, it's absolutely scary. And I think if any of these people went into hairdressing to realize actually that their problems are not as big as maybe they feel that they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a sad fact. Um, and with hairdressing, because we're surrounded by like-minded people, especially if we work in a salon versus a boot rental, um, that again is very supportive, and and then of course we're speaking to somebody completely different every forty five minutes in our chair. So we, you know, irrespective of ourselves, we learn so much about life from all of these different people. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I always I loved being behind the chair because at the time I was uh, renovating properties and. Um, I always had a client who was a plumber or a carpenter or this. And, and it was wonderful because I didn't have to pay for anything. We just traded. <laughs> <laughs> that's, pretty, that is, so, you know, that's a whole other podcast, Chris. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. That, 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 sorry to lower, lower the tone. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. <laughs> that's awesome. So, I, Chris, now I think we jump. I think we jump into Trevor, right? We got it. We kind of. So, how did you meet Trevor? Did you rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> how did I meet Trevor? Um, so I was running the salon um, that I told you about. It was called Shylocks. The, the boy, the boy and, salon. Um, the boy salon. Okay. Yeah, and by then we had some girls, <laughs> and it was 1980. And um, my boss said to me, "Oh, I think you should go on this course." So I was like, okay, what is it? And he said, oh, it's a guy, Trevor Sorby. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, oh, well, he used to work for Vidal Sassoon. I said, you know what? Those guys have such big egos. I, I, I don't think this is for me. 
So he said, all right, so just go. And after the first day, if you don't like what you're seeing or learning or you're not learning anything, then you don't need to go for the next two days. So needless to say, I came home on the end of Monday and uh, I said to my roommate, I said, if ever I get married, it's going to be a guy like Trevor. <laughs> Little did I know uh, that it was going to be him. And we were together 20 years. And um, so we kind of, I started assisting him in the times that I could. And it was a long time before our personal relationship developed, right. which I actually, I love that. You know, I love that we had this working relationship and we had a mutual respect and he's really been probably the the greatest influence that I've had in my career and I would think many many hairdressers would say the same thing that um that he it was absolutely brilliant in saying that though we used to hang out with uh, Anthony Muscolo and We'd hang out with Keith Harris. We'd hang out with um, Robert Labetta. So Eugene Suleiman. I mean, they, Antoinette Fienders. I can go on and on and on okay. because half of these people worked with, for Trevor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and other times we were just all friends and we were so close-knit and yet in, in a healthy competition with each other. And I think that's what really sparked off the hairdressing industry being so recognized globally and coming out of Britain and Scotland. I can't even, because it, you know, sorry. Imagine being like at that table. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not telling you that. (laughs) Is another podcast. (laughs) Did you, did you, you, um, secrets, the secret, (laughs) around the British round table, right? (laughs) Chris, did you did you guys like talk? Was it a lot of hair talk there? Because I know, like, when we go out, you know, with 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 our colleagues, you know, it always ends up coming back to uh, to hair talk, not necessarily client talk, but really kind of hair talk. Is that is that is that kind of what it was? For sure, for sure, it was it was so amazing. Like Trevor would come up with some ideas, and then he'd be like, "Chris, can you make that?" Yes, because as I said, I will never take not take up a challenge. <laughs> so that was how a lot of things got created um i did a book on trevor of his work it was very um a very visual book but the words that trevor did add to the images that were in that book it's called visions in hair um was so poignant but yeah we just lived at and breathed hair like a round table think tank of creativity or no, it just, we used to go into a studio that we had and just jam on hair or drag out some hair pieces out of the bottom of his session bag and then realize that there was something in that, you know, because it had been in the bottom of the bag for a couple of years. And it's just, you know, the, I think the hardest part of working alone and trying to be creative as what you know people like if you're going to do a shoot for Naha or you know you want to enter the L'Oreal awards or whatever it may be it's very difficult to work alone and not have someone to bounce off of that actually gets it that you whose work you respect who you know is going to be super honest with you to say you know what Trevor that's not working 
at which point he would kick the mannequin head or the wig across the studio, uh, which was fine. And then we'd go to the bar. And then, we're, and then in the bar, after a couple of drinks, we'd go back to the studio and talk some more and come up with something that was amazing. So, yeah, it's, um, as I said, I, I truly was blessed and I, I'm very, very grateful to Trevor um, for everything that we shared. Awesome. Yeah. I, I just kind of think, I just, if you kind of just remember the images from like the early 80s, from like, you know, what Trevor was putting out and what Robert was putting out, Robert Labetta. And if you aren't familiar with these names, do yourself a favor and, and just look at it. I mean, it's, everything has evolved off of these shapes, you know? Oh, and, absolutely. And, 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 and again, I, hairdressing, you know, the, 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 the word dressing or the word stylist, I think that's back better than ever right now, you know, because I think for so many years, you know, hairdressing was actually lost in our industry. But if you look at what's going on now, like who's that guy in New York? Uh, I'm going to mess his name up, aren't I? Mufasa or Mustafa? I think it's Mustafa. Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, well, look he, at the Laha Awards right now. Absolutely. It's all about the dressing, right? Exactly. So uh, if you need inspiration, go back to uh, and look at what Trevor was doing and look at what Robert Labetta was doing. And I can't believe that that happened over like a like a like a bar you know tall table it's just amazing it's just amazing not quite not not always but a lot of the time yeah it's usually around our house (laughs) you have a bar in your house what (laughs) no no trevor wanted one but i wasn't having you weren't having it the kitchen table will have to do everybody will be you know um what you were saying about uh hairdressing and i think in today's world that's where where a lot of us are lacking the skill set in finishing hair. And now with this social media opportunity, hey, well, like, I need to come and teach you, Corey. <laughs> you raised your hand there. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, seriously, with social media now and the opportunities to promote our individual brands, it's more important than ever. And when I go into salons to, um, to teach, which I absolutely love to do, um, it's not just, you know, I'll teach a color technique, then we'll do finishing, but we'll do finishing that's social media worthy. And then we do a few, couple of hours on how to take pictures. Not that I'm a photographer, mm-hmm. but I've been in enough shoots to, to understand, you know, what the, the basics are about framing, about lighting and, um, and that's what we need educating in or, you know, what to post, when to post it, what to say, how to interact, how to get a response. Who's my audience? All of the above. That's absolutely brilliant, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's so it's just amazing. I mean, I'm blown away by uh, by this. So you, were, you mentioned that, you know, in your classes, you do a few things. Is there anything that you specialized in or was it or were you just like a, a master of all? Uh, the only thing I don't teach is design. I leave that to Chris Barron and Sam Veer. And um, not that I don't cut hair because I cut a lot of hair, but, um, but I feel most comfortable doing color and inspiring people to create something for every client as an individual versus, oh, let's do some balayage, but we don't quite know why it doesn't show when we've done it or where did those money pieces disappear to? Right. You know, and, and it's all about understanding placement and, and trying to recreate something that actually is a very natural process by the sun 
bleaching our hair. And it was a little bit enhanced by the Carita sisters in Paris all those years ago. And, and I love that it's now come back, but everything comes back with a difference. So we've got to know even more what it, what it is, how to do it. It's, it's about how do you hold your brush? How do you position your body? What's your brush stroke? Where does that stroke come from? Which sounds really stupid because you think, well, I know how to use a color brush. <laughs> but when it comes to balayage, it's different because the motion is from actually from your elbow to really get that beautiful and seamless sweep of, of lightener onto the hair. So it's, you know, it, this, is, this is what I love, how the industry has evolved through all the years that I've been working in it and how I can still get excited about everything, regardless of whether, oh, well, that was last year or that was the year before or, you know, why should I do highlights or whatever. Is that why you joined Redken or did you join Redken uh, because of, you know, you just love to teach and the education or... That was never in my game plan. I don't, um, my dreams are never that big. But I got approached by Redkin. I did a show for Hair Color USA in 1998 in Florida and won Best Most Inspirational Educator. And then jointly with David Stanko, I won Best Educator. And I was blown away because this was actually a show under the Trevor Sorby banner at the time. And, um, and little did I know, Rickon was sitting in the audience and, and they invited me to be their global artistic director, which, at which point, on the end of the phone, I burst out laughing. And I said, yeah, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, how could that happen to me? Simple little Polish girl, parents from the war and all of that. You know, they just, dreams like that don't happen. And, um, and on the other end of the phone, this guy said, this is Michael Tongi. I'm the general manager of Redkin Worldwide, and we would like to speak with you. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I'm being invited to go and live in New York and have this title. What does it mean? They'll discover how I'm not really good at what I do, but oh my God, how exciting. This could change my life. I was 46 years old at the time, and Trevor, I'd, we'd already split. And I was like, this is insane to be offered something like that. Never in my wildest dreams. Although I have to say that for many, many years, I, um, I always spoke about living in New York. And now I've lived here almost uh, 19 years. And I still pinch myself to think, really, am I calling this home? How privileged am I? You can tell by the New York accent. <laughs> And you know what? When I go to the UK, I was in England last week, and when I go there, they're like, "Oh, yeah, where are you from?" I'm like, "What do you mean, where am I from?" <laughs> they're like, "No, you've got this twang. Is it Australia or it's hilarious?" Isn't it? But I'm I'm happy that to you guys, I still sound like a Brit. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's she the, totally lost her British cred. It's a Brit with a New York attitude, like you know, yeah. like, talk like. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. And my mom would have said she needs no more attitude than what she was born with. Lots of moms say that about their girl. <laughs> That's incredible, Chris. So, 
I, I got it. I, I literally got the chills when she said that she got that phone call from Redfin. Like I can't imagine. Like you, first of all, when she was telling the story, you just kind of watch her eyes relive it, and oh, like you can see the beautiful smile. You can see her face light up. Right? It was, it's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, awesome. you can tell that that was. You know, well, wouldn't your face light up if if someone offered you a a position in New York? Chris, my face is lighting up for you. You know, <laughs> your story. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. You know. It's just, it's just so great when you, you know, you work so hard and you have a whole career and then um, you continue to get validation, you know, and. Yeah, and, that, that, that really. And, and you know what, uh, what that does, um, like with any of the awards I've ever won, that's just like, you got to push the fast button to try even harder because you're only as good as your last piece of work. Yeah. And again, now with social media, it's even more apparent. Um, so no, it, it's um, it's a, I as an educator, I feel a huge responsibility, not just to the person that I'm teaching, but to the industry, because I want the industry to get more recognition, to get more respect from people that are not in our industry that think that, oh, we just work behind a chair and, you know, tra la la, get lots of tips. They don't realize the um, the physical suffering that we go through as we age because of the work that we do. They don't realize that we have to have bigger insurance, uh, medical insurance, <laughs> especially in this country, um, to be able to accommodate all the aches and pains and arthritis and whatever else it is we're going to have. But this is, we deserve more. And, and I know you two are boys, but I really feel that women are not still, to this day, not getting the recognition and the equality that guys get in their industry. Well, I mean, we were in Premiere a couple of weekends ago, and uh, we were talking to a lot of, just a lot of women about this whole uh, movement, right? This, this positive uh, woman's movement, and, uh, you know, with Elizabeth Fay, with, uh, you Will know, that, yeah, I mean, all these guys that, uh, that were totally... Uh, on board and supporting and, and, you know, and we love what, what it's happening. You know what I mean? And it's true. I think, especially in this country when the majority of the people are women, right? There's no, I mean, not even, but not even the country, the, our industry, our right. industry, 65%, 70% women. You right. Know? So. That's the reason that you guys go to hair shows. Cause you know, it's going to be full of women. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, we're, we're just a bunch that of old be... married dudes now. Chris. <laughs> we got none of that. That would be, I think a great podcast to do as well to, to put like three or five women together. Oh, to yeah. discuss yeah yeah like a round table it's up to you guys to make it happen. But it is an opportunity. Cool. I like it. They did a fist bump for that. So, um, Chris, actually, before we move on, I, I kind of want to, do you think, and, and, and I have a feeling that, um, that, and I feel a woman's movement in our industry. And again, I don't know if the word is, I attribute it again to social media, right? Because, because what social media does is it only, it, it only focuses on why you're great you know, and, and this big woman's movement, I think is being, even if you look at how it's being organized, it's all being organized through, 
through um, through social media. You know, I think it, it's kind of removing all the friction and just letting letting the cream rise to the top. I, yeah, I agree with you, and and it's such an incredibly strong voice that um, and the fastest. Uh, method of getting something out and the biggest bonus is it's free, it's free. at least for <laughs> yes, now don't, right. don't tell anyone <laughs> all right let's get back to chris yeah. should we get back to chris let's get back to chris chris so yes. is, so 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 you that. are credited with um with creating the whole ombre uh looks and crazes and stuff like what what the whole ombre movement yeah the whole ombre it movement right like movement. and 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 how Honestly, I mean, how it's even evolved in the last five years is amazing. You know, it's like it is what we're seeing on Instagram. And so what 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 sparked you? What what was that? Tell, tell me the first day that you were like, oh, I've got an idea. How did that evolve? Yeah, that was uh, 1985. And um, I had been in and out of hospital for uh, actually, sorry, 1986. I've been in and out of hospital for almost a year. And um and it kept, we cut a long story short. Um, I decided that if I had to do another set of highlights, I was <laughs> going to shoot myself because I found it incredibly unnatural um, as a as a look. Depending, of course, on how it's done, who does it, and, and so on, it can look absolutely amazing. But my version, I was not impressed with. I was very bored. So I decided I was going to leave hairdressing and I went into, I did interior design of hair salons um, for Weller for four years. And um, during that time, because I was constantly in a salon, I realized that, oh no, I'm on the wrong side of these chairs. I need to not be measuring, I need to be doing. And however, I, I, I was saying to Trevor, I said, you know, I, I have to come up with something in hair color because I'm so bored. And he said, thank <laughs> God for that, because then you can start doing the color on my models and make them look different. So I took myself off to a studio. And at the same time, uh, we had a cat at home <laughs> called Sweetness. And Sweetness had long hair. And one day I was like looking through his, his fur and I thought, that's it. I'm gonna make hair look like fur. Not in a literal sense, but if fur is something that God created, then why did he create us so boring (laughs) in the hair department? We're all one color. Obviously, it's a canvas for me to play with. So I decided I was going to make hair look like fur. So um, cut a long story short, a lot of nights, a lot of tubes and bottles of color and a lot of hair pieces and a lot that was trashed. But... I definitely knew I was onto something. I just needed to find a way of how to do this seamless blend like right. sweetness was wearing. So um, so eventually I did it. And then when I went to do that show, Hair Color USA, that was what I presented on stage. So I didn't even do it on a model. I did it on a, a weft of hair that was stuck to <laughs> a, a board. And I demonstrated how to do it. But I also had a pre-done hairpiece that I'd put into a girl's hair to actually show it. And and that was the very first time that um, this was ever seen. And it was crazy what response we got. However, in saying that, um, everyone once said to me, you're crazy. 
No one is going to want to wear roots. Everyone's trying to cover them up. Who wants five different colors in their hair? And so on and so on and so on. So there was a lot of doubt there. You know, there was, am I kidding myself that this looks beautiful? Or does it really look beautiful? And, you know, in comes Trevor and um, and said, you know, that is amazing. So we, you know, I well, I continued down that avenue so of color. Obviously, you had no idea that you were about to just totally influence and change our industry with that. Because it, because it, today, oh, it's, no. I mean, you can see it even evolve today, but it's still live and present right now. Uh, well, it's, it, you know, it, David, it's a, met- a method of application and having an eye for the colors that you want to put side by side, but seamlessly. And we're surrounded by it in nature. It's, we're surrounded by it in leaves and, and petals and animals and all of the above. Um, nothing is one solid color. So why we were coloring hair to be either one solid color or highlights this is why I I got so bored, but no, I had no idea what was going to happen, and it it was a twenty year overnight success, because now you know there's countries that I have never been to, and hairdressers are making a lot of money out of learning how to do that technique, and that's where I feel that I really have made a mark on the industry and it's not from an ego standpoint. It's just that, thank goodness, I could give something to our industry to stretch people's creativity, imagination, and to give clients something that they can't do it at home. (laughs) They tried it and it turned out to die and and that lasted 10 minutes. But, um, you know, it's it's like the, it's endless what you can do with that type of application. And be, if it's done beautifully, it can be as subtle or as it, it can be as wild as your client is wanting to wear. And how lovely that we really can give our clients what they want. Like for example, I'm a blonde on the inside, but if I had blonde next to my skin tone, I'd look dead. So by putting the darkness underneath it, because of course I'm prematurely 99% gray, um, but by putting the dark between the blonde and my skin tone, it works for me. So it's expanding our services to a point where we literally can give clients anything and everything that they want, providing they take our advice, providing they... Um, they listen to how a hairstylist is going to speak to them from a point of view of suitability, of, of beauty. or Because let's face it, there's not many people in the world that want to be screaming and, you know, may, yeah, maybe 16, 17-year-olds. But, um, but when it comes to making a business behind our chair, which obviously we all need to get even more serious about, um, you know, utilize these tools that you have, you know, come for education, bring education to the salon, whatever it takes, but don't feel that you can't do bigger and better, regardless of where we live, regardless, because often I hear that as an excuse, well, I'm in Boise, you know, hell doesn't matter, Boise's got tons of fun people in it, you know, it's, it's, um, there's, yeah, 
There's, and that's why education, education, education is totally the way to, to um, be inspired, to be motivated, to be able to have a shoulder to cry on, to be able to practice things and not use our clients as practice blocks. That's what my mannequin has <laughs> yeah, look, for. Practice that. I mean, she's been staring at me there the whole time. I mean, Oh, she has. Wait, let me tip her down because she's really... Yes, very much so. Let, d- looks like your sister. Yeah. <laughs> she might be... She, younger, younger, because she doesn't have the gray. So, Chris, tell us about your mannequin story. <laughs> See, because I keep mentioning her. Um, well, I, this was... It was interesting. Um, I was walking through a, um, a Redkin Academy and um, I saw these incredible looks on the top shelf that were done by students. And, I, and the, the faces of these mannequin heads were awful. And their, their hair was knotted so it goes back at 45 degrees in the wrong direction and all of that. So I thought, I mannequin heads. I know, isn't it crazy? Little did I know what I was getting myself into. Um, because it's not, it, it's not cut and dried. It's, thank God for my experience of wig making and eyelash making and all of the above. But my goal was to give uh, stylists and students an opportunity to have a beautiful face to work on, which in itself is an inspiration, mm-hmm. let's face it. Um, so you could, you know, we could put the ugliest color or cut on this girl and she'd still look fabulous. Whereas you could get a face that maybe isn't quite what we're looking for and everything we do right. looks like hell. So that was my inspiration. Then of course, me being me, it's got to be the best that I can make within the realms of affordability, because obviously if you throw, you know, tons of money at something, you can make it absolutely incredible. But I, I wanted parameters so that people could afford it. So this girl, she's my, what I call color head and her hair is 18 inches long and it's Indian hair and the quality of it. I have to say everyone that touches it are like, Oh my God, I've never felt a mannequin head that has such beautiful hair. However, with Indian hair, as opposed to Chinese hair, it's not as strong as Chinese hair is. So you can't put bleach on her hair and leave her overnight. <laughs> Just don't. Okay. So, That'll be another dissolved uh, story, right? Break up. Oh yeah, I've been there, done it. Um, again, that was a first. <laughs> But um, no, you you know you we treat her like a client. So whatever you, we would do to a client is what you could do to um, to our mannequin heads. And again, that's a more realistic experience. The head is a full size head; it's not a tweeny head. The hair on even on this color head because we have another one that's longer. It's twenty two inch, which is great for upstyling and for coloring. Um, for long-haired clients and having that sort of practice. But this one, even with 18 inches, you can practice upstyling and dressing and doing beautiful red carpet waves and so on on this length. And um, we did a, a project. We wanted to see how many haircuts we would get out of this head. And we oh got seven haircuts. 
So how cheap is that? You know, because I didn't tell you the price yet. So currently she's $79 plus tax and she's available on chrissorby.com. <laughs> and that's K-R-I-S-S-O-R-B-I-E.com. That's all. And yeah, so um, so go to the site. That we're actually um, currently in the throes of putting up a new website. So the images of the heads that are on the website, they um, they're the uh, the last edition of the heads. But as soon as our new website goes up, then um, there'll be so when you get these the new, faces. How many how many mannequins so, yeah. do you have? Do you just have the eighteen and the twenty two? And and do the eighteen and the twenty two they do they have the same face, or does the other one have a, a another? Yeah, they have the same face. They have the same beautiful, sparkly mm-hmm. glass eyes, the same eyelashes. I know. I mean, she, they just look yeah, at her. Yeah, that's great. She's just, she's ready for that's a right. runway. Yeah. Can you see her eyelashes? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Very impressed. Wow. There you go. So. Well, it um, makes it feel like a realistic, <laughs> know, when you're finished with your, whether you're coloring or cutting, it feels like an actual client. And you have to exactly and you know a lot of people a lot of people use them to showcase and post on social media so again you know you could do whatever you want to her but it's it's it you know it's really useful and also on my website if you want to have private mentoring um again there's an opportunity on the website chrissorby.com to uh, sign up for that and let me just explain a little bit of what I do in that respect is literally customize um, a day, an hour, two days, whatever somebody signs up for to exactly what they want. So it can be anything from, I was mentoring a guy for Ted talks one time and um, yeah, but most of the time it is sort of about mm-hmm. our industry and whether you want to do finishing, whether you want to do upstyling, downstyling, coloring, anything. Um, if you want to be a platform artist and you want some coaching, whatever it may be, session stylist work, you name it. And, and I, I love doing mentoring like that because it literally is sometimes somebody thinks that they know what they want. And then after the first hour, we're like, hmm, do you think it would be an idea if we kind of go in another direction <laughs> right. first? Or, or, you know, you discover what somebody's greatness is, and they had no idea that they had that. Like me, for example, with my burnt-off <laughs> highlights as opposed to ombre. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and, and truly, I mean, obviously, you've done it all, so you know, to have a mentor that's, uh, who, I mean, and not that you just done it all. I mean, you, you've been at the top and you're still at the top, you know what I mean? And it's, so to have a mentor that's still in it, you know what I mean? And I mean, I mean, what's great about Chris, at least what, you know, what we've kind of picked up on in this inner and this podcast is, you know, she's not scared to be vulnerable. And, And I think what's missing most in our industry is you see all these great, um, again, Instagram posts and stuff, but it's the vulnerability under them. You know, nobody succeeds without failure. And, you know, Chris is, Chris is learning been, opportunities, not learning right. opportunities. All right. Yeah. Learning Chris opportunities, is- not failures. Exactly. So um, actually I, I like to be real as you mm-hmm. probably noticed. 
And I think failures is a perfect word because that's what we're scared of most. That fear is a failure. And hey, listen, let's be transparent. Let's be realistic here. Let's not wrap it up in cotton. So, um, yeah, I, I think I probably have been through every fear that is involved with our industry. So um, make the most of it before I retire. 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 Yeah, that's in about 35 <laughs> years' time. Awesome. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, is there anybody, like, is there any Instagram people that you follow that are totally inspirational to you? About 1,800 of them. That was such a, well, wait, so we just went from I, real to 1,800. Come on, Chris. I'm, right. I'm serious. I follow about 1,800 people because it, it's anytime I see something that presses my button, whatever, um, whatever subject it is, whether it's design, whether it's color, whether it's finishing, whether it's just the way that somebody speaks to me awesome. i'll follow them you know i think um i'm blessed to have a lot of followers and uh and i have no idea who half of these people are. i would love to know them but i don't have enough time left on on this earth to be able to meet all of them but going back to your question um sam Veer, i think has uh Really fantastic education. Um, I love now that he's expanded it into showcasing other people that he follows. So I can't <laughs> copy him now. So I gotta come up with my own idea, damn it. Um, but you know, I I have the utmost respect for people that respect others, and that doesn't always come across in our industry. And and this is where I think if you can make somebody's day by following them and giving them, like, say, for example, I see a really beautiful hairstyle, a look that's been photographed, but the backdrop is so distracting that I'm trying to make the picture bigger to see what's on the salon floor right. and stuff like that. You know, to those sort of people, I will send a little message and say, hey, you know, why don't you consider like a, a nice silver gray backdrop that's going to work for everything and, and invest in a ring light so that your, your person, your client looks amazing. So, you know, this is where we can again, help other people, not just right. following them, but actually be constructive in, in helping them, guiding them, right? them and just engage with them. I'm right? sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it doesn't always have to have a dollar value to, to do something like that, to help somebody. I think I do a lot of voluntary work and, um, and that's my, I think, most rewarding time is when I'm giving back to people that um, right. are worse off. Chris, do you have a pen on you? Write this down. You ready? I do. Where am I writing it? Oh, come on, you have a pen and no paper? Yeah, no, we got it here. Okay. Uh, what am I writing you? down? Guru, G-U-R-U. That's someone who I follow who I just think is doing stuff that's out, out of this world right now. You know what? I think no, you I don't. Just follow them. No, I don't know. I don't? I don't know. Do you know that I don't? Oh. No, I think I do. But, you know, that's the trouble that I don't, um, 
I don't remember <laughs> your names, never mind who I'm <laughs> yeah, no following. Doubt. Okay, you ready? You ready for the big question? This is, this is, this is yes, the no BS but, question. Oh. Hey, what's Chris Sorby absolutely obsessed with? Today? Go for it, today. Today, I'm obsessed with my garden. <laughs> Love it. I'm obsessed with my garden, and I'm obsessed with trying to recreate the beautiful things that I see on flowers that are planted. But, you know, that I, I'm very, very honored to be in New York, in the middle of New York, in Soho, and, and have this little sanctuary where I, I do a lot of thinking. I'm out there every single day, whether it's raining or snowing or not. I still go outside to really appreciate what's around me. And I have to thank my late mother for um, giving me or instinctively passing on that love of nature, which she did. Her garden used to get incredible uh, reviews in magazines and things like that. So, uh, so she was always trying to interest me in it and I had no interest in flowers. Mm-hmm. And now I think that's crazy, but I think we kind of have to grow up a little bit before we really appreciate nature and appreciate the incredible things in our lives and and in general, what life has to offer. The best things in life is what we evolve into, right? Yep. Yeah. That's so true. I look after, not look after, I visit a very delightful elderly man. Um, I'm a doula for people in final stage of life. And... um, it's it's an incredible honor to be with somebody that is dying or then does pass. And um, anyway, so I, I visit this guy and he teaches me that every single week. He's like, this isn't a rehearsal. It's, and he's 90 and oh, of fantastic sound mind. And it's it's so rewarding what he teaches me about the mistakes that he made in his life, but also the things that he has so much gratitude for and um, how, you know, he's, he's ready. He's ready to pass on. And we have such a good time. We laugh, we cry, we, everything. Yeah. I tell him off, he tells me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Miss Chris Sorby, it's yeah. wonderful. It's my pleasure. Amazing. And you know, if if when you post this, if you get any questions that come at you, please feel free to pass them on. I'd be delighted to answer anything. That's awesome, Chris. Thank you very much. Should we make it official? Thank you, Chris Sorby of Redkin. Thank you very very much for joining us on your day. Please do me. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Please.